You're listening to ClearCast, the real estate fintech podcast by Clear Capital. Each month, your co-hosts, Jeff Allen and Keenan Chen, will bring you compelling stories and revolutionary ideas from the people, companies, and institutions at the intersection of real estate, finance, and technology. Want to be a guest on the show or have an idea for an episode? Email marketing at clearcapital.com and let us know. And now, here's the show. Hello and welcome to ClearCast, the real estate fintech podcast. I am Jeff Allen, joined as always by my friend and colleague, Keenan Chen. Keenan, how are you? Hello, hello. Episode 25, that's, that's a... That's a quarter of a of a lot. That's a quarter of a lot. You're not kidding. Um, we've come a long way over these 25 episodes, and we have so much more ground to go. Um, later on in this episode, we are excited to have Laura Kane, uh, the CEO and co-founder of Willow Servicing, joining us. Nice. Um, and we will continue our streak for two consecutive episodes of no longer doing the joke of the pod, much to your excitement. So there's a lot of a lot of people crying in the in, in the world right now. Over yep. this. Although I have been getting, you know, some pretty angry uh, listener notes uh, yeah. about that, you know, and and uh, my grandma, right? Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't really want to read them on 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 air here. It's it's not really. <laughs> really pleasant but i don't know jeff the, the uh you might have to reconsider yep grandma betty in milwaukee thanks for your support <laughs> very helpful um so we're going to skip the joke of the pod we're going to jump into the news um and keenan the the news for our industry that's obviously kind of the story right now uh has to do with mortgage rates and volume uh, according to a recent report from housing wire uh, using the uh, MBA survey, mortgage apps are down 39.6% from this time last year, which if you round up is 40, which oh. is quite a bit. Hmm. Uh, specifically, refis are down most dramatically. Uh, refi interest is down 52%. And as most folks know, this is being driven by the fact in some ways that mortgage rates are back up to just below 4%. Is the sky falling? Well, I, 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 it's a tough, it, it, we're starting to reach that, that uh, tough state where I think a lot of, you know, lenders are considering what to do about staffing and, and, uh, uh, and, and potential layoffs. So, you know, that's, that's difficult, right? Yep. Um, and uh, there's been a huge shift, of course, in the uh, what's driving volume purchases now, according to AEI purchase is now 62% of origination loans. Um, in the beginning of the year, it was 51% in the first week of January, and it's moved all the way to 62% of the market. Yeah. Um, so, um, but demand is remaining pretty strong. So it's kind of interesting. We've got incredible home price appreciation going on. If that hasn't slowed down. In fact, that's accelerated. That surprised a lot of people. So home prices are going up. Average cost of, the lo of or our average loan size is going up. Yep. Uh, rates are going up. 
what do you think, Jeff? At what point do those headwinds actually slow down demand? Well, um, not for a bit yet, it seems. Um, if we can have our home prices appreciate 20 plus percent over a two year period, have supply be so constrained that you have to make an offer almost instantly to get a house, it seems, um, and mortgage rates actually go up significantly and people still uh, going out and buying houses like crazy, it, it, it shows we're not to the end yet of buyer demand. Um, you know, driven in a lot of ways by the pandemic and the fact that more people are look, look at the move and looking to expand their space doesn't seem like we're done with it yet. Um, so what would this mean for the industry, for lenders? Like, and, and maybe this newfangled desktop appraisal I've heard a little something about. How does all that fit together? How, how should lenders be thinking about purchase and appraisals right now? Yeah, well, since we're still in a seller's market and it is, it's the pressure is really on the buyer to, to present um, a competitive offer. And, um, and we know the things that, that really are attractive is when a buyer can act more like a cash, cash buyer, right? Um, to where there's more certainty in their financing. Um, and, uh, and that, that's, there's less contingencies, you know, we know that's, you know, the appraisal contingency causes concerns, uh, for folks sometimes. So essentially see that the timing, you know, with the way the market's going, the timing of the GSEs making desktop appraisals available, um, in, in March, perfect timing, um, cause they're focused on purchase, um, but they also require um, a little bit maybe different behavior from the upstream process of having more data available in the, in the listing um, so that an inspection isn't needed during the loan process. Um, and so I, I think this is the time, right, for, for real estate agents and brokers to, to take a look at what's happening downstream so they can best set up their listing to go through, you know, the fastest process and not have a loan fall out, right? Um, um, uh, because of timing. So, um, yeah, the, the, what is it? I, I think there's something about floor plans or something required. Do, do you know anything about that? Um, I do actually, Keenan. Thanks for asking. The GSEs require huh. a floor plan with with GLA and interior walls to be included within the appraisal and prefer to, it to be aligned to ANSI standards. And that is currently a product that Kubikasa, uh, a wholly owned subsidiary of Clear Capital offers. <laughs> That's a terrible. Come strike that. We need to strike that. Okay. 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 <laughs> but in general, right? Like, like the idea that maybe if I gather more data about, about the property, get the floor plan, you know, um, make sure I have all of the right photos captured, not just the photos to sell the property, but also the photos that would help streamline the appraisal later on, that, that uh, I could be doing a, a real service to my client who's selling the property um, by ensuring that more buyers can move quickly through the process. Exactly right. Um, this represents one of the biggest changes to appraisal policy in years, and also one of the biggest opportunities to bring together the real estate vertical and the mortgage vertical that we've seen in a long time. So um, as, as we've hit on here, the, the loan experience is really moving towards purchase. Lenders need to have a really good purchase strategy. Taking a look at the desktop appraisal seems like a great way to make that happen. 
we can end this quasi-commercial now. <laughs> You're open to it. <laughs> I have another news stat to share with you that I think you will find muy interesante. Spanish mm. for very interesting. Mm. Um, remember the pandemic, number one. Do you remember it? <laughs> it's Yeah, it's still, still vaguely there. Uh -huh. In my mind, it's over. Um, <laughs> But remember, March, April 2020, um, when it first started, we had some pretty horrendous mortgage delinquency rates right out of the gate. Mm. Um, and that, that caused a lot of concern and consternation in the industry around kind of what's the impact of this going to be to these people, to their homes, to the mortgage process. And so some good news on that front, uh, you know, we're now... Uh, almost two years into this pandemic. That sounds so terrible to say out loud. Um, but the most recent mortgage delinquency data from, uh, from CoreLogic's loan performance report indicates that those mortgage delinquency rates have dropped to an all-time low since the start of the pandemic. What do you think about hmm. that? That's, that's actually great news. Um, I, and, and actually, that, that kind of goes right back to you know, the last conversation around the strong market, I mean, that also means that it doesn't appear that like we're going to have a lot of inventory come into the market, you know, from um, defaults and, and, and foreclosures. That was a real concern a couple of years ago. Um, but, you know, it seems like with, with policies and with the strong home price appreciation, we're just not seeing um, the, the, the same level of, of delinquency related, you know, activity, which is that, that that's good for the market and and good for folks being able to stay in their homes and you know tap into equity. It's huge. I mean, I think the worst case scenarios that we all envisioned never came even close to happening, and that's <clears throat> that's huge. So great news as we head into 2022. Well, we are very happy and excited to be able to welcome our guest to the pod. Today, we have Laura Kane joining us, who is the CEO and co-founder of Willow Servicing. And Willow Servicing is a technology company focused on streamlining mortgage servicing, which sounds like something that the whole world needs very much. So uh, excited to learn how you're doing that. Welcome to the pod, Laura. Thank you, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about what Willow Servicing is. Why in the world would you want to enter the world of servicing? And, um, and what pain points are you, uh, you addressing? Yeah, so I guess just to start off for those of you who don't know what mortgage servicing is, uh, mortgage servicing is everything that happens after you get that loan. So it's the 30 years you have that mortgage where you're making payments. Maybe something comes up in your life and you need to modify your loan. That is all part of mortgage servicing. And so basically through my experience, uh, first in venture, and then actually at another technology company, I became really well acquainted with how antiquated and difficult servicing can be. It's highly regulated, uh, very cost intensive, and really just a very important part of the mortgage process. Um, it really does determine who can get a mortgage, 
and their experience and really just realized that there was a lack of technology. And so what Willow Servicing is focused on is those first few mortgage payments. We're building an interim servicing solution. So we help a lot of banks and smaller lenders collect those first mortgage payments from their borrowers before they sell off the loan. And so to get into servicing, you must have a, you must have a passion for improving it. Uh, what do you think are the main pain points within servicing? Like why, why is it such a painful process? Yeah, so servicing is really one of the downstream parts of the process. Um, so it's a little bit beholden to regulation, investor requirements, and a lot of other moving pieces. And really at the end of the day, um, there's a ton of different pain points within servicing. One obviously is those regulations, state and federal are constantly changing really for the best interest of borrowers, um, making sure that borrowers uh, are given fair practices um, throughout the life of the mortgage. And then also we have the technology piece. Um, it's really kind of scary for a lot of mortgage servicers to adopt new core technology. You're handling millions of loans, millions of payments. There are big fines, of course, if you get numbers wrong. Um, and so we've seen sort of a lot of the existing systems um, are pretty old, that they're still mainframe systems. And um, as a result, you just see sort of a lot of people being thrown at problems um, instead of a lot of technology innovation that would take a little bit of risk for people to make that switch over to a new platform. Yeah, we, we were just um, talking earlier in the pod about um, the, the current delinquency rate and how um, the, the good news is that it's come down quite a bit. Um, uh, it's some of the, the lowest it's been since the start of COVID. And as we think about COVID um, and its impact on on servicing, um, I mean, there were a ton of you know policies that went into place um, on how servicing should behave. The CFPB put out a number of of changes um, uh, last year. So maybe you know go over some of the the structural or, or, or cyclical shifts that are that are happening right now, um, and, um, and and maybe why there's some investment. You know, going into yeah. this. Yeah. So as you mentioned, COVID uh, really did impose a lot of different changes for servicers. Um, you can imagine that they're not really prepared for all these new guidelines uh, regarding a pandemic, and then all of a sudden they have to make those switches on all of the mortgages. And so that was a a big switch, and um, sort of you did see a lot of servicers have to scramble. Um, beyond that, also interest rates play a very large role um, in sort of some of the cyclical changes we're seeing. So after the recession, um, you did see sort of a lot of new independent mortgage bankers um, enter the market. So filling sort of the gaps um, where you saw the larger financial institutions pull back. And as a result, they've been operating for the past few decades um, where they really don't retain servicing. And now with interest rates going up, uh, some of those independent mortgage bankers are now looking for ways to diversify their revenue streams. And so servicing is actually a nice sort of hedge against that. So actually when interest rates rise, uh, you see your existing book of MSRs, um, their value increases since you don't expect people to refinance and actually the life of the loan gets extended. So there's more innovation and investment happening in 
servicing right now than there has been in quite some time. It seems like there's, yeah. but you know, Willow is obviously doing unique things. There's other players in the space. Help for folks like us who are servicing newbies. Um, what are some of the different approaches you're seeing that different startups are taking? What are the pros and cons? Yeah, servicing is actually really mirroring what we saw um, with origination. And so you see a group of startups that are actually trying to do full in-house servicing. They're raising a lot of capital to go buy those mortgage servicing rights, pull in their own portfolio, build their own technology and service the loans. Um, and so a name or a few names in that space would be Fallon and Scratch have gone and are doing that approach. You then also see different startups targeting really specific pain points and areas. So they've noticed, uh, for example, Brace is creating a product very similar to Blend, but for servicing. So they're doing the application when you need to do a loan modification. And so they're taking certain processes within servicing and generating technology for that. Um, and then you have players like us um, who are trying to build the core technology. So the underlying infrastructure that would house the data, the calculations, um, and power sort of other specialized apps. So you see lots of different approaches um, in terms of how people are trying to innovate within servicing. So obviously there's some, some pretty big incumbents, you know, in that, in the core certain, you know, platform space. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and with, you know, to your point around regulation, um, it, it seems like it's, it's hard. There's all these barriers to entry to be yeah. able to compete against the, 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 the incumbents. Um, how are you guys differentiating, you know, your, your offering and, and, uh, of building that value proposition? Yeah, so the large incumbents um, really do have scale and are able to process millions of mortgage payments where they actually sort of can fall short is on some of the process automation um, and really streamlining and making servicing extremely efficient. And so where we've actually started is with some of the pockets that the existing players sort of don't have a large footprint in. So interim servicing is not a large, sort of really the people we're going after and all the targets in our um, sales pipeline, they're using Excel or very rudimentary tools to try to track mortgage payments. They're accepting checks, not ACH. And so you have these little pockets um, similar with commercial or business purpose loans, multifamily properties. Um, there's just little pockets where there's actually different mechanisms and how payments are collected um, or different rules, and there isn't technology that's well serving those customer sets. So how do you view the CFPB and GSE's role in servicing? Um, and, and what are they doing in terms of helping or hurting innovation? Yeah, that's, um, that's a tricky question. I think overall, the CFPB and the GSEs are great third parties that really do keep the best interest of borrowers in mind. Um, so the CFPB, of course, has rolled out a lot of really important regulations and policies to protect homeowners. And that also does lead to more innovation. So these changes are the exact pain points that's actually leading to the opportunities a bunch of the startups are going after um, and are sort of creating those gaps in existing solutions. Um, but they also can really sort of be difficult to navigate as organizations. And so if you need to get approvals, um, you, of course, then every single customer you talk to asks, 
about XYZ regulations and how you're managing all this compliance. So they do also pose a large barrier um, for new new startups in the space. We um, we were just talking about purchase the, the the current purchase driven market. You know, you mentioned rates going up, and that makes it more attractive uh, for folks to maybe hold on to mortgage servicing rights um, and and have to be you know to very competitive right now on, on the purchase side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, servicing has often been a way that lenders you know can build relationships with with customers so that they think about them for their next you know home purchase is what's the role of the servicing platform and and that can that help lenders be more competitive when it comes to to gaining purchase market share yeah so i think um for us at least sort of we view that as a long-term goal is that you have the data if you bring this in-house and you are maintaining that relationship with the borrower you can hopefully sort of catch them when they're looking for a new loan or refinance them and give them a better rate Um, That's pretty far out for for our strategy, but I know that other players are also looking at that. Um, Lots of data and analytics out there. You're not just your loan data. There's other data sources that you can pull in to help indicate sort of whether a borrower is sort of going to refinance, whether they're looking for a home and whether sort of a different financial product would fit their needs. So uh, looking forward to the future now as we close out our interview here. What is on the horizon for Willow? What's 2022 and beyond looking like? What are you most excited about? Yeah, so we're scaling our interim servicing product. And so getting uh, lots of lenders onto that product. And then we're also expanding into performing loan servicing. And so we have a few sort of interesting new expansion opportunities taking on HELOCs and also construction loans and helping some lenders bring servicing in-house and manage their own portfolio. Um, So lots of development on our end to get that up and running, but um, pretty nice expansion um, and exciting for our company. That's great. Actually, HELOCs, um, curious to dig into that a little bit more. Does that look a lot different than regular mortgages, you know, um, in terms of the way that's, that's handled? So in terms of how it should look for a borrower, no. Um, Essentially, they should still have clarity on how much they need to pay, their outstanding balance. It should look very simple. So there's different components that don't require very much development on our end. Um, But actually, from the calculations point of view and and the pain points that people have with their current servicing software, uh, it is pretty different. So obviously, a borrower can draw down funds and pay back funds. And so the principal balance can go up and down within a month. Uh, You can also have different interest rates tied to when they pull down money. So it actually can get pretty complicated on the calculations and payments fees. Uh, So that's really the investment we need to make for uh, our HELOC product. Hmm. Any uh, predictions on whether the increase of rates will will bring bring sort of a HELOC boom if you will, to the market, or or you think homeowners are still wary to tap into their their equity in that way? So I'm not smart enough to make a prediction, <laughs> but at least um, from other people in the industry who have given me their opinion, uh, there does seem to be increased interest in home equity loans or home equity lines of credit. Um, and so a lot of lenders and different players in the space are expecting an uptick. 
Yeah. I can't say uh, <laughs> whether I know people are going to tap into their home equity, but uh, I'll leave it to other experts um, and pass on their word. Jeff has a crystal ball in his in his office that he he uses often. It, uh, you may be mistaken. It's actually just a glass of whiskey. Oh. <laughs> no, no wonder you always seem more bold after you consult the uh, the crystal ball. That's interesting. Exactly right. <laughs> the best way to predict the future is a couple fingers deep into some whiskey. Really. <laughs> cool. Well, we certainly appreciate you coming on the the pod, Laura, and and uh, great to hear that there's innovation going on in in this space it's 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 needed and and uh thanks for for sharing your your thoughts yeah thanks so much for having me